able to study God's Word together. And, uh, and so, uh, again, we're in Ephesians chapter 2 tonight. Um, Ephesians 1, and so just kind of uh, generalization, just kind of go over um, so that uh, maybe you've forgotten what we talked about or maybe you're new to our, our Bible study on Facebook. If you are, go to our church page and you can watch all the Bible studies we've done. You can get caught back up. Uh, but just in, in the first chapter, really what Paul's doing is, is telling us just how um, great Christ is, the supremacy of Christ, that he's uh, supreme over all things. Uh, he's preeminent. He's first in, in all things. And then what we looked at last week was uh, Paul says uh, actually that he prays for the Ephesians by name. He goes before the throne of God praying for each of them by name. Uh, that they might be able to understand uh, the power of God, the glory of God, uh, the sovereignty of God. The, the, so Paul's saying, I, I pray for you believers that you might be able to understand uh, just how beautiful and powerful and majestic and uh, that, that, that Christ is and that, um, uh, you know, apart from the Holy Spirit revealing that to us. And, and so Paul goes on and says, you know, that, that the Holy Spirit is the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and we have uh, the Holy Spirit living within us, and so um, we can, um, you know, we ought to um, to take courage and to take heart um, that the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in believers, and, and so chapter one's kind of a, an introduction to uh, just how great Christ is, um, and then chapter two kind of uh, gets into uh, just kind of a, a little more discussion about man's condition and, and what man is like apart from God. And, and so um, so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at, night, at tonight in the first 10 verses is just kind of the miserable state man is in apart from Christ. Uh, just that we live in a sinful world and we are all sinful people. And uh, we, we're so grateful for Jesus Christ the Savior who is perfect. Um, who is righteous and who who died on the cross and took our sins so that we might be given his righteousness. Um, and one of the things we need to realize as believers is, is the fact that none of us are better than anyone else. Believers are not better than unbelievers. Um, the truth is just that we um, have, have put our faith and trust in Christ and Christ is the supreme one, and Christ is the, the beautiful one. And, and so what separates us from the lost or from unbelievers um, is, is not anything special about us in and of ourselves, uh, but, but special about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, so I, I'm going to open us in prayer. Uh, my time has us, uh, we should be, be starting, and so I'm just going to open us in prayer. Uh, and as we go throughout the study, if, if you hear something that um, sparks some interest or you have a question about or you're, you're concerned about, or uh, just uh, write those in the comments, and uh, I'll be more than happy to address those comments. And so let's pray, and then we're just going to dig into the first 10 verses of chapter 2 in the book of Ephesians. So let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer at this time. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. And Lord, we thank you for the technology that's available so that uh, we can connect with one another and, and to discuss and study your very word. And so tonight, would you open our hearts and our minds, help us to be able to understand your word, and Lord, 
um, help us to be able to apply it to our life um, so that we might be able to live out uh, your word. And so we, we, we're not satisfied just being hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so, Lord, would you please help us to, uh, to be able to practically um, uh, put into practice uh, what it is that your word teaches us to do. Uh, so speak to our hearts tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so if, if you're with me and you're in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, remember chapter 1 has just finished talking about um, how, how great Christ is and supreme Christ is. And, and now there's going to be this, um, this shift that the Apostle Paul does where he begins to talk now uh, about man and how we're different than Christ and um, that none of us are better than, than any other uh, men or women. Um, the only thing that separates us uh, from unbelievers is we have been, uh, have been saved by Jesus Christ. And so now we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. And, uh, and so we've received the righteousness of Christ in our life. And so that, that's kind of what Paul's going to be dealing with in, in chapter 2 to the Ephesians. And so just, uh, I want to just walk through uh, the first 10 verses and we just shared uh, with you that, um, that, that chapter 2, this beginning, is the result of sinfulness. It's the result of, of the fall of original sin, uh, and so because we live in a world of sin, then uh, this is true, what Paul is saying in chapter 2, and so it just begins and says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins, in which you would once walk, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And so uh, Paul begins uh, confronting the Ephesians by saying, um, you were workers of iniquity. Uh, you were sinners. In fact, when you look at the sons of darkness, when you look at those people who are living in the world and they're just uh, living however they want to live, uh, be careful how you judge them because all of us have been there. Like we have all been sinful uh, and, and again, it's the saving work of Christ that separates us. It's not our own merit, and it's not our own righteousness. And, and so um, one of the things I, I believe that hurts Christianity uh, is when Christians uh, kind of put on a front uh, that they have everything together. Uh, so, so here I am. I'm this Christian. I'm, I'm a pastor. I have, I have everything together. I don't struggle with anything. Uh, and, of course, this is just a front because the truth is all of us have our struggles and, and all of us deal with things on a daily basis. And, and we're, we're so grateful that the, the Holy Spirit of God and the work of the cross of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb, the resurrection, uh, frees us from being bound to those things. Uh, but when we look at people who are living a sinful lifestyle, living according to the world, then what we need to understand is but for the grace of God, that would be us. And, and so, uh, so we ought to love others um, the way that Christ loves us unconditionally. It, it doesn't mean that we accept sinful living. It doesn't mean it's okay to live sinfully and, uh, and, and in an unrighteous manner. It's just the truth of the matter, according to Paul, is we were all dead in our sin. We were all dead in our trespasses. 
uh, we were all walking according to the course of this world. And, and so there was a time when I, that, that it wasn't the Lord who numbered my steps. It, it wasn't that uh, as I was walking that it was trying to walk in the, the way and the things of God. Right, but but there was a when I was sin when I was living in sin before I, I really came to know Christ as Savior before Jesus transformed my heart transformed my life transformed my mind which is an ongoing uh, process right for all of us we're all undergoing this daily um, I, I pray that we're all growing daily uh, I'm not who I need to be but I'm not who I used to be we sometimes say uh, and that's true and, but but the Apostle Paul here is just pointing out the the misery of sin and the misery of man because of sin. And so uh, so we all walked according to the course of this world at one time or another. We, we were all, if you're either serving Christ uh, or you're serving the world, then all of us, before we came to, to fully um, relent, to just fully give in to Christ, then we were walking according to the course of this world. And so it, it was the very powers of this world that was controlling our lives. Uh, Paul may say something like this, all of us are slaves to something. So, so our, our life is captive to something. Um, so if you are a believer, then, then you have taken up your cross daily. You're following Christ. Uh, the Greek word kurios means that he's Lord. And doulos, the Greek word doulos means that we're his servants. And so as Christians, we are servants to Christ. Um, but if we're not Christians, then we're slaves to this world. Uh, we are slaves to unrighteousness. And so all of us, every single person is a slave to something, is a servant to something. Uh, the question is, do I have right relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And am I his servant? Uh, that's the question, because if I'm not serving God, if I'm not serving Christ, then I'm serving this world. If I'm not a slave to Christ, if I'm not a, a slave to God, a servant, then I'm a slave to this world. And, and so what scripture teaches us is that Christ came to free us, right? And so there's great freedom in Christ. There's freedom in serving Christ while there's condemnation in serving the world. And, and so Paul just continues again as we look, um, looking at verse 2, looking at verse 3 now, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And, and so Paul's just continuing, saying, as a result of sin in this world, so I want to make sure we're not getting... Uh, too far off base, and, and I'm not going to uh, chase any rabbits. Listen, Paul's just saying this, that every single one of us were children of wrath. Like every single one of us before Christ radically saved us, changed us, um, all of us were in the same position. Uh, we were lost. We were undone. We were living uh, in filth and sin. We were bound and on our way to hell. And then the Lord Jesus Christ radically saved us, right? Uh, and all the work that needed to be done for our salvation was done at the cross of Calvary and in the empty tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday. 
But all of us, before that moment, when the Holy Spirit of God opened the eyes of our heart to see our sin, then every single one of us were children of wrath. Uh, we, we, we weren't good people. Uh, so Scripture doesn't say, like, people are naturally good. What Scripture teaches us is that inherent in mankind is sin. And so none of us are good. That, that's what Paul's trying to, to, to get across to the Ephesians. It's not some are better than others. Uh, it's this. All of us were children of wrath until the Lord Jesus Christ saved us. And now that he saved us, then he receives all the credit. He receives all the glory. And he receives all the honor. Uh, for what he's done in my life and the life of all all others that he has saved. And so this is what Paul is kind of working up to by saying, listen, uh, as he said in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not some of us, not every once in a while, uh, but literally all have sinned. Every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, in essence, there's not any of us better than the next person until Christ saves us. And when Christ saves us, he changes us. Uh, he takes our sin uh, upon himself on the cross of Calvary, and he gives us his righteousness. And now for the first time in my life, I'm no longer bound by sin. And so sin doesn't have to control me. Uh, now, because I have the Holy Spirit of God living within me, uh, I, I no longer have to be a slave to sin. So I, you know, I'm, I know it's in a song, but literally we are. We're, we're no longer slaves to sin. If we're in Christ, there's great freedom and liberty in Christ. We have been freed from the bondage of sin. But, but it's not how good we are. It's not what we could have done. It's all what Christ did for us. And that's what Paul's trying to, to explain to the Ephesians in, in chapter 1, he's saying Christ is supreme and beautiful and majestic, and God the Father has, has a, a power that's incomprehensible and, and grace and glory that's incomprehensible. And now he begins chapter 2 by taking our attention first uh, off of Christ for a moment. Christ is beautiful and glorious and majestic and all those things, and he changes our perspective and says, uh, look at, at man, though. Let's take a moment and, and take our eyes off Christ and his beauty and his glory, and let's look at mankind, and what we see is all mankind is unrighteous. All mankind were children of wrath before Christ saved them. And so just, uh, you know, um, that, that, that's just going through verse 3 uh, in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, and we're going we're gonna to keep going here. Uh, I'm going to get me a sip of coffee. And um, again, if you have questions or comments or uh, would love to see your, your questions, your comments um, on Facebook Live, just type it in the, uh, the comment section if you would like to, and, and I'll try to get there. I, I know a lot of this stuff, pretty basic stuff, um, you know, m most of us understand that uh, we, we couldn't save ourselves, it, that it, it took Christ, it required Christ to save us, and uh, and we can't save ourselves, and, and the reason is because we're sinful. Uh, now, once you're saved, 
uh, then the Holy Spirit begins a work in you, of course, of sanctification. Uh, so I, I can't just continue to live at, in the unrighteousness that I lived in before Christ saved me. And so if I've genuinely been saved, right, if, I, if I'm really a believer, uh, then the Holy Spirit is doing the work of sanctification in my life, and I'm growing in my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all of us need to be growing in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that that would be a desire for all believers is we, we don't want to just stay you know, where we are now with Christ. We want to become closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to know Christ more, and uh, we want to be more like Christ daily. All right, so we jump into verse 4 um, because there's this beautiful transition. Uh, so my, my translation, I'm, just, I'm reading now the English Standard Version, but my translation says, but God. This is a, this transition. So the first three verses are man. This is what man is like. Man is uh, in and of himself, wicked, unrighteous, children of wrath, walk in darkness, and, and then this beautiful transition, but God. So God wouldn't allow us to stay in, in the sinful, helpless state of despair that we were in as sinful men and sinful women. And so uh, verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so this is a, a beautiful passage that explains uh, some of the process of justification. Uh, how do we get saved? Well, it's the grace of God, right? Uh, God, who is rich in mercy, um, and so mercy simply flows from the nature of who Christ is. Um, being rich in grace, being rich in mercy, um, rather than condemning us and treating us the way we really deserve to be treated, uh, he allowed his son, Jesus, to take all of our sins, our, our past sins, or our present sins, uh, unrighteous things that we're going to slip up and do in the future, that, that God took all those sins uh, that belong to me, that belong to you, and if you are a Christian, then God took all your sin, placed them on Christ, and then punished that sin. And so God's a just God, and so sin has to be dealt with. There are consequences to our sin. And, uh, and so how do we pay for our sin? Well, we don't have to pay for our sin if, if Jesus Christ has saved us, because on the cross of Calvary, God took all of our sin, placed it on Christ, and then the very wrath of God was poured out on Christ as punishment for my sin and your sin and the sin of the world. Uh, for those who uh, will be called according to his purpose, uh, Ephesians 1, 4, right? That we've been chosen in Christ even before the foundation of the world. And so for all those who, who will be saved, for all those who have been called by God, um, then all their sin was placed on the Lord Jesus Christ before we were ever born because we were already on the very mind of God and the heart of God before the foundations of the world were even laid, according to Ephesians 1, 4. Um, and so God is very rich in mercy. He's great in love. And this love which he's loved us with um, was done while we were still enemies of God, while we were still sinful creatures. 
And, and so God, God doesn't say, like, when you become perfect, I'll love you. Uh, God doesn't say, when you finally deserve it, I'll love you. Uh, rather, God loves us unconditionally. And that's what Paul is reminding the Ephesians, is that Christ loves us so much that even when we were dead in our trespasses, that God made us alive. He, he brought us alive. So we, we were dead men walking. We were dead women walking. We were walking around in the bondage of sin, and um, sin controlled our life, and the darkness controlled our life. And then what Paul says is that God loved us so much that in Christ Jesus, he loved us to the point that he made us alive through Jesus Christ. How? Well, um, by death. By the very death of Christ, we receive life. And, and so, uh, so this is a beautiful, beautiful um, doctrine, a, a beautiful um, scriptural explanation of what, what happened when God saved us. And what happened on the cross of Calvary was even though the very wrath of God was being poured out on Jesus Christ as he was nailed to the cross and, and, and the crown of thorns on his head and the, uh, the beating that he endured before the cross, uh, that God's placing our sin on the Lord Jesus Christ and now punishing him, the very wrath of God being poured out on the Son of God. Why? So that we might live. And, and so Christ... Uh, is experiencing our death on the cross so that we can experience life in him. Um, and that's just, that, that's very beautiful. Um, and, and that, according to the Apostle Paul, writing in Ephesians here, in verse 4, says it this way. I'll read it one more time. Uh, but God being rich in mercy. So this is a description of, of what it means for God to be rich in mercy. Uh, because the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And then here's the key. By grace, you've been saved. And, and so th this is really the key. Of course, uh, we do not believe, and Scripture does not teach, that you are saved by, by works, that you're saved by doing enough right, or you're saved by, by doing things but rather you've been saved by the grace of God. Nothing else. It is the grace of God that saved you. It's the grace of God. You've been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is the grace of God that saved you, and it is the loving grace of God that keeps you saved. Right? So it, it, think of it this way. So if I had to do enough good works to, to be saved, then I would have to continue to do enough good works to stay saved. And since all have fallen short of the glory of God, since all of us are, are sinful creatures, according to Paul, he says it here in Ephesians and in Romans, then if we could lose our salvation, we would lose it. Like every single one of us, if we were saved by works and works are required to keep us saved, then none of us could keep ourselves saved. And so it's the grace of God that saves us and faith in Christ. So God's grace poured out on us through faith in Jesus and that not of our own work. We have nothing to brag about if we are saved, right? We, we should be so humble if God has chosen to save us, then it ought to bring us to our knees and, and it should fill our life with humility 
and should really cause us to have compassion on all people, especially those who are lost. Right? There, there ought to be a deep hurt and pain and compassion for those people who are not saved, who do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, and so it, it shouldn't cause us to be boastful, right? But it should cause us to be very humble in the fact um, that, that it is God's grace that saved me. Now, let me just make sure you hear me say this, because I want to make sure that, that you don't hear something I didn't say. Um, so, according to Christ, teaching the, the apostles and the disciples, if we really are saved, right, if we have a relationship with Christ, we're not saved because of our works, and works don't keep us saved, but if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then works will be seen in our life. People will be able to look at us and say, that, that person must be a Christian because of the way they treat other people, because of the way they, they love others, because of uh, the uh, compassion they have toward others. So, so Christ said, you'll know those who follow me by their fruits. And, and so, um, so there ought to be evidence in our life in the way we work out the salvation that we've received through grace. And, and so please make sure you understand you can't get saved by works, and, and you, it doesn't require works for you to stay saved. But if you indeed are saved, then there will be good works in your life. There will be a desire um, to, to work uh, out that which Christ has done within. And, and so now we have the Holy Spirit living within us, and the Holy Spirit will lead us and convict us and guide us uh, to good works in Christ Jesus. And so Paul makes it very clear, you've been saved uh, through grace, and of course by faith, uh, and not your works. But Paul will also say, listen, you, people ought to know that we're Christians by the fruit in our life. And, and so good works come as a result of being saved, uh, not the other way around. Salvation does not come as a result of good works. Um, so I'm saved by grace through Jesus Christ, by faith, through, through faith in Christ. And once I'm saved, the Holy Spirit begins to, to work within my heart to change me. And now good works come out of um, where I have been saved. And so I am saved by grace through faith. And then works begin to, to be the natural result of that, doing good works, loving people, being, being cheerful, uh, not judging others, um, but being compassionate toward others, uh, as Christ has been com compassionate toward us. And, uh, and so verse 4 there just reminds us that the fact that God is rich in mercy. Uh, verse 5, even when we're dead in our trespasses, he's made us alive with Christ, and it is by grace that we have been saved. And so you sh if you are a believer, it's because you've experienced the very grace of God at work in your heart and in your life. And, and so, um, yeah, and, and you can't experience the grace of God and then that not come out of the way you live your life, that, that your life can't stay the same as it used to be before you got saved because you're no longer the person you used to be. Uh, now, is there a, is it, uh, it, it's not an instantaneous change, right? I mean, it, we're immediately saved and justified 
But sanctification is a process. Uh, the the Holy Spirit dealing with the hearts of new believers and believers in general, it is a journey. It is a process where God takes us um, through this life, uh, teaching us more and more about himself and therefore uh, more and more about how we should live. Um, verse 6, so we've been saved. Uh, by grace, we've been saved. And in verse 6, uh, thinking about uh, God being rich in mercy um, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, so Paul's talking about this. Um, and he talked about in chapter 1 some this inheritance that we have. Um, and the inheritance we have um, is that we are co-heirs with Christ. And, and so just as Christ is the Son of God, uh, when he took on our sins so that we might be given his righteousness, then we became co-heirs with Christ. There, there is a heavenly inheritance for us. Now, the greatest treasure that there, there will ever be and ever could be uh, has nothing to do with streets of gold or, or you know, walls of jasper or you know, gates made out of pearls. Uh, all those things are beautiful, but ultimately the greatest treasure is to be in the presence of God. And so this, this inheritance we have awaiting us that we have in common with Jesus Christ is to be in the very presence of God, to be in right relationship with God. This, this is what true treasure is. A true treasure is to, to be in right relationship with God. Uh, and when we're in right relationship when I, with our creator, uh, now life takes on a, a whole new uh, level of, of meaning when I begin to live my life, not for myself, but for my Savior, uh, for my God. Uh, all of a sudden, life begins to have meaning. Uh, but not just life on this side of eternity, but, but life... Uh, on the other side, this eternal inheritance we have, uh, what's so great about it, uh, what makes heaven so great, is that God is there. And, and you know, what makes hell so bad is that God is not there. Um, now, you can, you know, we can look at all the beauties of heaven and, and all the, everything that we read about, this beautiful place. Uh, but ultimately, what makes heaven heaven is the presence of God is there. And we can read all that Scripture says about hell. Uh, it's eternal. It's not, not a place that's temporary. So when someone dies apart from Christ, then it's eternity separated from God. Um, and so hell's a real place. Hell's an eternal place. Um, but what makes hell hell um, ultimately is that the presence of God is not there. The Spirit of God is not there. There is no grace uh, in hell. Now you can take all the other torments and all the other things scripture talks about and, and of course hell's not a good place but but what makes hell hell and heaven heaven is the presence of God uh, and, and so I, I don't want you to misunderstand. Uh, I know scripture gives us descriptions of what heaven looks like and descriptions of what hell will be like and, and what scripture says is true. But I want to make sure you understand that as Paul is talking about this inheritance we have, um, that we have in common with Christ, it is relationship with God. 
through Jesus Christ and now sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. This is the inheritance I've already received uh, because I'm a believer, because of faith, because I've been saved by grace. Uh, God has saved me. And so now I'm in right relationship with God the Father through grace. Um, all of that taking place through the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and return of Christ. And as evidence that, that this is true, God has given us the Holy Spirit um, to, 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 as a seal, as a guarantee that the inheritance that we are going to have, um, that it's something that we can be sure of. How? Because the, the guarantee of our inheritance is the Holy Spirit of God in the life of believers. Um, so, uh, verse 6 talks about this inheritance we have uh, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 says, um, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And, and so again, we see um, this in, immeasurable grace. Uh, uh, so verse, uh, chapter 1, chapter 2, really just Paul over and over is talking to us about the, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the glorious uh, the glory of God, the uh, the majesty of God, um, and, and so it's uh, boy, you the adjectives just begin to pile up. Uh, where Paul's saying, "Listen, you you need to stop and consider who God is, who it is you serve, and how beautiful He is, and how glorious He is, and how gracious He is." Um, and so over and over and over, uh, the Apostle Paul just um, pours into our life through. Uh, the written word that God inspired um, of just how great our God is. And um, because our God is that great, because our God is that good, um, then we have, a, have a, a, an inheritance. And, and it is um, un, you know, incomprehensible. There's no way we could understand or comprehend what God has in store and plan for those uh, who he's called according to his purposes. Um, verse 8 kind of jumps into um, some, some very important doctrinal things here. Uh, so verse 8 says, uh, for by grace you've been saved. We, we just, uh, he, Paul's repeating that aspect. Uh, and so anytime we see the apostle Paul, uh, he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit. When he's repeating certain phrases, it's because these phrases are so important. Uh, these phrases are too important to forget. And, and so Paul continues to repeat certain aspects of what he's writing. Um, so we're told in, um, in verse 5, by grace you've been saved. And then in verse 8 again, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Um, and this is not your own doing. So, so just stop as we unpack this and, and think about it. Realize this. Uh, you being saved is not your own doing. And just kind of give that a second. You just kind of mull that over. So me having a right relationship with God the Father. Jesus Christ dying for me on the cross. Um, um, interceding for me in, in heaven. 
receiving the Holy Spirit of God. None of that is my doing. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, listen, you've been saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and it's not your doing. You didn't do it. Um, Man, just just think about that a second. That The God of the universe loves you so much that he allowed his son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, loves us so much that he came, suffered, died, buried, risen again. It's all a work he's done, and it's not a work we've done. We can't save ourselves. Um, we can't save others. Um, many, uh, many of you, um, myself too, um, maybe there's family members or friends or loved ones that um, you've been praying for for years. Um, and I, I would say to you, nobody is too far gone for God to save. Um, and I would say to you that as long as your loved ones have breath in their lungs, there's time for God to save them. Um, but just just understand that, um, that we can't save ourselves. We can't save others. And, and Paul says, you've been saved by grace, grace through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is not something you could do. This is something that it required uh, God to do in Jesus Christ. If you could save yourself, if you could do enough good, if you um, if you could help enough people, if it was just a matter of doing more good than bad in your life, if, uh, when you stand before God, if it was any of those things, Jesus Christ would not have had to come and die uh, on the cross of Calvary. But because we can't do it, we can't earn it, we, we can't save ourselves, um, it required the very sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that we could be saved. And, and so our faith in him through the grace of God um, is what saves the sinner. And so, uh, so yeah, so Paul here in Ephesians chapter 2 uh, again, just reminding us of how great, glorious, majestic that that God is and how we've been saved by grace through faith, and that's not our own doing. And so, um, so do we have responsibility in our Christian walk? Of course we do. I mean, we have responsibility to pick up our uh, copy of God's Word every day, read it, dig into the Word of God. We have a responsibility to spend time in prayer with God. Uh, we have a responsibility that, that there are certain times in our life where we need to, to fast and pray and spend time just uh, growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. All those things are our responsibility. Uh, but one responsibility I don't have is I can't save myself and I can't keep myself saved. That work is done through the Lord Jesus Christ by faith in him uh, and by the grace of God. And so I could do absolutely nothing to save myself. The only way I could be saved is through the grace of God. Um, uh, so verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. Uh, here's the, the next um, just statement. Uh, it is the gift of God. And so what is salvation? When we get saved, 
Uh, where does it come from? How does it take place? It's a gift from God. It, it's not something I did. It's not something I could have done. It, it's a gift of God to us that God gives us um, the grace necessary that we might believe by faith in Christ and then through Christ we might be saved. And all of this is God's gift. It's not something I can do for myself or for other people. This is something every individual, um, it's them dealing with God, or more importantly, it's God dealing with the individual, and it's God who does the act of saving. And so it's his gift to us. Verse 9 says, not a result of works. And so if if Paul hasn't already made it clear, Right, practically every single phrase that he, he is uh, writing here in the book of Ephesians is that um, that we were wicked. We we walked in. We were children of wrath, walking in the darkness. Um, none of us were good. We had all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Paul writes in Romans. Uh, but then God, being God, loved us with such a a gracious and beautiful love that he gave us the gift of salvation. Um, And that is not something we could do. It is the gift of God. And it's not a result of works. And so if I could never do enough work to save myself, I will never be able to do enough work to keep myself saved. That is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Holy Spirit of God wants to uh, convict me when I'm doing wrong, uh, to lead and guide me in the ways of God. And so I do have responsibility in the way I live my life every day. Uh, But it is God who saved me, not myself. I can't save myself, couldn't save myself, and and I can't save others. Only God can do that, and it's God's gift. It's not a result of works. And you might say, well, why not? Well, according to Paul, he concludes uh, verse 9 by saying, it's so that no one could boast. So, so God has established a means by which we can be saved, we can be justified, and God's design is laid out in such a way that only God can be glorified, only God can be bragged about for our salvation. So none of us can brag about the fact that we're saved, none of us can boast because we, we're believers. We're only believers because God gave us this gift through grace by faith. And so it has nothing to do with my works, my my talent, my knowledge, or, or anything else I could offer God. It has nothing to do with that. It is a gift from God, and it's a gift from God so that I can't boast in myself, uh, but rather I have to boast in God. Um, verse 10, it's going to be the last verse we look at tonight. Uh, but verse 10 just says, for we are his workmanship. Um, and so, listen, if, if you have been saved by grace through faith, you are now um, a part of uh, the workmanship of God, where, where God is using you to, to mold you and to shape you and to, um, to disciple you that, so that you might become more like his son. And then as God begins to work on you, um, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So notice this. So uh, we're not saved by works, but once we're saved, we become the workmanship of God so that we can do good works. And, and so look, 
you know, it's very important that we get those things in order. If not, we get all out of balance, and all of a sudden we begin to live uh, in a way that's unbiblical. Uh, we begin to uh, to force other people uh, to um, kind of uh, mold themselves into an image that that Scripture doesn't um, talk about. Uh, so we're we're not trying to encourage people to do works to be saved. But when, once a person becomes saved, once, once a person is justified through Christ Jesus, they are justified um, so that they can become the workmanship of God through Christ so that we can be about good works. So um, I do good works because I'm saved. I do not do good works so that I can be saved or become saved. And so Paul here uh, is really establishing the fact that um, as believers in Christ, it's expected of us to do good works. Uh, there ought to be evidence in our lives uh, that we are uh, about the business of God, that we are being molded and made by God. We are his workmanship um, so that um, being created through Christ Jesus we might be ready to do the good work of the kingdom, the, the good work of God, that we might be, a, uh, can play the part that God created us to, to, um, to do in his master plan, um, to, to be about the very purposes that God created us to be. Uh, so we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Uh, and then here we go back to this notion, which God prepared beforehand, uh, that we should walk in them. And, and so uh, looking back at chapter 1, of course, 1-4, um, you know, we're, we're told by the Apostle Paul that we have been chosen in Christ before the foundations of the world, before the foundation of the world. And now Paul kind of comes back to this notion here in this very last verse and, and says, so, so put this here, so we've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And we have been chosen in Christ to be the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus unto good works. So God chose us to do good works. And he had prepared the works he wanted us to do beforehand. And so God, having chosen us before the foundations of the world, having created us for a purpose, uh, has works that he desires us to do that he had put into motion even before the very foundation of the world. So you talk about the sovereignty of God, uh, and uh, wow, th this is a, a beautiful picture of the sovereignty of God, that God is so much in control, and he is such a ruler, that even before the world was laid upon its foundations, that he had already chosen you and me, had already planned that we would be his workmanship through Jesus Christ, and had already put forth in his plan the works that he would call us to do, and that through those works, the will of God may unfold. And, and so, boy, how sovereign a God we serve, that even before the foundations of the world, all this stuff has already been um, really accomplished through God, and then for us, living it daily, um, how humbling it is to think that, uh, that the works that God's called me to, um, he had already planned 
before anything was laid upon its foundation and had already chosen me. So to me, right now, of course, for the past uh, 15 years, God's called me to pastor uh, at Buffalo Church. And, and according to what Paul would be saying in this passage is uh, that even before the world was created, uh, God had already uh, prepared these works for me to be where I am, even before the very foundations of the world. And, and so whatever it is God's called you to do, you know, wherever it is God's called you, put a, a purpose in your heart and, and a, a desire to do things, a passion for something, um, where God's called you to be at work, um, then, then it ought to uh, humble us to think, even before the foundations of the world, God had already planned and prepared for the work he's called me to do in Christ Jesus um, before the world was even created. And so that, that's a humbling thing, I believe, that, um, that we ought to, uh, should cause us to reflect on the, the greatness uh, of the God that we serve. He, he is a beautiful creator, and he is so majestic. Um, and, and he is so glorious um, that when you just stop and you just think about uh, what God has done in our life, in the life of the believer, and, and that this was his work, his gift to us, even before the foundations of the world. And I just imagine, I, you know, I'm one of those people, I love to give presents. I love to buy gifts for people. And, uh, and one of the problems I have is I can't wait for the occasion that I bought the gift for. Uh, so I'll buy uh, you know, Sonia a Christmas present, but then I, I'm so excited to give her the present that I can never wait till Christmas to give her the present. Um, same with my kids and, and anyone else. Um, but here God is before the very foundation of the world already prepare, preparing these gifts for us, this, the gift of salvation, the, the gift of work, a work that God's called us to and a work that God will give us a passion for and a work that where we can be used by, by God to further his kingdom. And uh, so I just encourage you uh, to meditate upon these things. We ought to be giving God our mornings. We ought to be spending time with God. We ought to be in prayer with God and constant communication with God. But, but I, I pray that our hearts and minds would always be drawn to the truth of the knowledge that God loved us so much that even before the foundations of the world were laid, he had already chosen us in Christ Jesus to be saved. And this is not something we can brag about because it is simply the gift of God. And so the only one that we can brag about for our salvation is God. He is, um, he's the famous one, not us. He's the glorious one, not us. And uh, I'm just so thankful uh, that in God's design uh, for his relationship with mankind uh, is centered on the work and the person of Jesus Christ. And so Christ had to come and had to become our sin so that we could become his righteousness, um, so that we could be in right relationship with the Father. Uh, so I appreciate you you tuning in tonight and uh, uh, taking time just to uh, to study God's word uh, with us. And uh, time 
goes by pretty fast for me. But uh, again, I, I hope the sound quality was good enough. Uh, kind of had to put together um, the um, the camera, the you know, using an iPad and a phone and, and a Nevo cam camera. So I, I pray that the volume was okay, that you could hear me fine. I encourage you uh, to go back and read the f uh, the first ten verses of uh, Ephesians chapter two. Uh, I encourage you to go back, look on our Facebook page, and you can go back. We've had uh, I think this is the fourth uh, study so far um, in in the book of Ephesians. So go back um, and take a look at the three uh, Bible studies we had to go through the first chapter, uh, and then uh, the one tonight. Uh, if you know someone who's really struggling maybe with uh, um, God's calling on their life and how God works in, in the life of believers, uh, then maybe you just uh, encourage them to check out this study. Ephesians is just a, a very powerful book. Um, the first half really split into doctrinal issues, what we believe about things based on what uh, what God's revealed to us, and, and, and specifically through the apostles um, and, and the writers of the New Testament. Uh, and then the last three chapters really focuses on uh, how do we practically live that out? What does it look like? Uh, so if we believe that God's called us from the, uh, to salvation, if he's chosen us before foundation of the world, then what's, does that, what does that look like lived out? If salvation really is a gift from God, and then you're saved by grace through faith. What does that look like living it out? And the last three chapters of Ephesians uh, is a very practical um, section. So the first three chapters, this is what we believe. This is who God is. This is nature. Uh, and then the last uh, three, it's well, this is how we live out what we believe. And so I pray you'll continue to uh, to join us and uh, next Sunday or this coming Sunday night. Uh, we will uh, pick right up uh, here in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 11, and we'll probably try to finish out um, uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians on Sunday night. Uh, so I pray that God would continue to keep you safe and, and keep you healthy, and uh, that uh, he would just continue to do wonderful work in your life. Uh, I pray that we would all take time just to uh, sit at the bare feet of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, to just meditate on his on his glory and his beauty and to allow the word of God and uh, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Father God and the Holy Spirit of God uh, to really, um, really change uh, who we are to, um, to just transform us into the people God wants us to be. I'm going to pray for you and then we'll call it a night. Thanks again for, for watching. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we just pray for all those who have watched this Bible study, for those who will watch it later. Uh, I just pray that your Holy Spirit continue to speak to our hearts and our minds during this time. And Lord, help us to uh, rest in the fact that salvation is a gift from you, accomplished by you, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And yet you've called us, you've saved us so that we can be about good works. And, uh, and so, Lord, uh, encourage our hearts and our minds, our spirits, our bodies, that we might be about your works each and every day. Help us to understand the work that you've called us to. Uh, you had planned for us even before the foundations of the world. And so that ought to excite us to know that that's how personal of a God we serve. 
May the Lord be with all those uh, who will watch this Bible study. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. Bless their families. And Lord, most of all, we pray that you would uh, help us to know how we can best serve you and serve your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.